Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome into episode number five of The Look Ahead here on the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera of Niners Nation. Usually I am joined by Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. He will join us later in the show. He had a power outage at his house, so he couldn't join me for the interview that we always do for Thursday Night Football, but he will join us after that, I promise. What we always do on this show is preview the games you want to hear about the most. How do we figure that out? Easy. SB Nation Reacts. You can go there, sbnation.com slash reacts, or on Twitter, at SBN Reacts, and you can vote on the games you want to hear us talk about. So we'll break down Thursday Night Football, and then we'll get to the games that interest you the most. Let's start right off the bat. It's Thursday Night Football. It's Bucks. It's Bears. And Evan Winner, Bucks Nation, decided to join me to help break down that game. It's Thursday, so you know what that means. Thursday Night Football. And this week, thank God, it's not Broncos-Jets. We actually have two real football teams, two three-and-one teams. Tampa Bay will be in Chicago, and we are very happy to be joined by Evan Winder of Bucks Nation. Evan, thanks for the time. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah, this is uh, definitely something to look forward to after the uh, schedule God so graciously gave us that that blazing matchup last week. So these are two three-and-one teams, as I said, but I can't feel more differently about them. I feel so much better about Tampa Bay's three-and-one versus Chicago's three-and-one. Because I feel like the Buccaneers, they're, they are getting better. They are getting it together. After a quarter of the season, I feel like they've been getting better every week. Brady's been getting more comfortable every week. I think the arrow is pointing up for the Bucs right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Two, three, and one teams, but both teams still have plenty of questions. Arrow's definitely putting uh, uh, pointing up for the Bucs. However, they've yet to put together an entire full four quarters this whole entire year. I'm going to be interested to see if they can do that this week on a short week on the road. Um, And as for the Bears, unless you're the Falcons or the Lions, not really a team that's built for comebacks, um, even if they did score a late fourth quarter touchdown against the Colts last week. So it reminds me a lot of the 2018 matchup between the Bucs and the Bears when Tampa Bay traveled up to Chicago and just had the absolute smackdown put on them, 48-10. Chicago was kind of looking for a spark. Um, Nagy talked all week about simplifying the offense for Trubisky. Lo and behold, he comes out and throws five or six touchdowns, has by far the best game of his personal career. And Nagy's kind of talking about, again, this week, getting back to the basics with Foles, how they they know what they want to run. And last week's game feels like a burn-the-tape type game. Let's just move on. And we know how dangerous that game could, or that type of mentality could be in the NFL. Regardless, a lot of questions surrounding both teams. And especially when you add the injuries to the Bucs this week, it's going to be really interesting to see how everything plays out. Yeah, there are a few key injuries that I want to talk to you about. But I don't know if you know this, Evan. Tom Brady and Nick Foles have faced each other before. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but they actually <laughs> faced each other in Super Bowl 52, believe it or not. 
Oh, yeah, completely forgot about that. <laughs> no, totally, man. And hell, hopefully, you know, for Bucks fans, I'm sure they don't want to hear this, but just for NFL fans in general, hopefully we get another showdown like that this week. I have to ask you, just because you lived through Jameis Winston, like how much different is it now when your quarterback goes back to pass and you don't just have this deep fear that he's about to throw an interception and just completely give the game away? Because you had to live with that for years with Jameis, especially last year. Live, survive, whatever whatever uh, words you want to use, for sure, man. Um, that probably added about 15 extra years to my life. In football years, I'm probably like 75 by now. It's a wonderful feeling, man. Um, and that's no knock against Jameis, one of the better arm talents I've seen while watching football since I've grown up. Uh, regardless, though, Brady, you just feel like he's in – much more control of his offense. We saw in the second half last week, 15 to 17, 263 and three touchdowns. Um, he just, it's different, man. And yes, uh, it's a sigh of relief for sure. But at the same time, some of the play calls that the Bucks put in on game day uh, in certain sequences can definitely make you hold your breath for sure at the same time. Is it hard to sort of embrace Brady? Because like most teams have their quarterback, they're either drafted or they're traded for, and they're there for like a bunch of years, and that kind of becomes your guy. But you're all of a sudden, you're thrown in with Brady here. I mean, he's there right now this year, and you know who knows if he's there next year. Is it sort of kind of hard to embrace that, or are you like, hey, screw it, he's ours now, I'm all in? Yeah, dude, all in, 100%. <laughs> not, not hard to embrace at all, um, especially since you're talking about a franchise who's never given a second contract to a quarterback they've drafted. So, yeah, just absolutely crazy. Um, so, so easy to accept, um, so easy to embrace, and I hope he can play at a high level in Tampa Bay for as long as he can, man. It's, it's fun to watch so far through four games, uh, or four weeks, rather, this season. Now, you mentioned some of the injuries, and they are some significant injuries. Chris Godwin's not going to play. LaShawn right. McCoy is not going to play. Leonard Fournette is doubtful, which you almost never see nowadays. Either, either guy is in or he's out, but doubtful basically means he's probably not going to play. And O.J. Howard, of course, with the Achilles is not going to play. How much of a factor do you think those missing pieces will be this week? It's big. And how ironic is it that Brady came to Tampa Bay for the weapons, but really he hasn't had a full arsenal Week one, he had a full arsenal, but even then, um, Mike Evans missed the entire week of practice leading up to that game with a hamstring injury, wasn't 100%. So if that's what you want to call a full arsenal, you know, so whatever. But this week, again, he's going to be missing Justin Watson right off the top. He's going to be missing Chris Godwin right off the top. I don't know why I said Justin Watson first. <laughs> Forgive me on that one. <laughs> but, but regardless, um, and he's going to be missing O.J. Howard. And that good thing is the Bucks have Gronk, who's been coming along slowly but surely. They have Cameron Bright, who's not as much of a run blocker, not as much a factor in the run game, but can still make some really tough catches and is a good red zone threat. And then if Ronald Jones can just hold on to the damn ball, they've got a pretty decent um, – and we saw Keyshawn Vaughn catch a touchdown last week. They've got okay receivers at running back, and it stands a little bit of an upgrade if Fournette can play this week, which we're not entirely sure just yet. Um, but the injuries are definitely worrisome. I actually wrote an article for BucksNation.com uh, today talking about how this is the time for the offensive line to step up this week. On a short week, you've got to play sound fundamental football. For me, that always starts up front. And this offensive line with how well Werfs, Tristan Wirfs has played this year um, with 
how much investment the Bucks have put in the other four guys in terms of a third round pick in Alex Kappa, $40 million in Ryan Jensen, uh, $44 million in Ali Marpet, and then I believe $47 million in Donovan Smith, if those numbers are correct, just right off the top of my head. Um, there's a lot to prove up front. And if Brady and this Bucks offense is going to show sustainability and have success for the long term, it starts this week. It starts up front, especially with the injuries. Uh, you talked about Gronk a little bit. How has he looked? Because to my eyes, and granted, I don't watch every snap of the box, I'm not going to lie, but to my eyes, he looks kind of similar to how he looked his last year in New England. As a receiving threat, he's not the threat he was. He can still make some really good plays, and he's still a good blocker. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. He's not the dynamic guy he was five, six years ago, even if Bruce Arian said himself in training camp that he looks like the same guy from five to six years ago. Arians has a tendency to kind of pump his guys up, which you can't really blame a head coach for that. But at the same time, you know, kind of sets a high bar that sometimes guys can't fill. Regardless, your your, um, perspective is absolutely right. Your analysis is absolutely right. He's starting to kind of find more of his way into this offense. Regardless, you can tell the timing between him and Brady still isn't there, as hard as that may be to believe. But with O.J. Howard out, he's going to have to be better. He's going to have to step up. And for being the second second highest paid tight end in the league in terms of base salary, he's got to make some plays, man. It's a weird thing to hear about Gronk, but you're totally right. Um, Let me flip (laughs) it over to the other side of the ball because I remember – in the offseason when Bruce Arians was talking about what were they going to re-sign Jameis, can you win with another quarterback? And I remember one of the things he said was, with the defense that we have, yes, we can win with another quarterback. He seems to think that that defense is on the come and that they're really going to be a force to be reckoned with. What have you seen a quarter of the way through the year with that defense? They've been better than I expected, honestly. I expected some struggles, much like we saw last week against the Chargers. Now, granted, even your best defenses are going to have bad days. It's the NFL. You're going to get taken advantage of. But uh, three out of the four weeks that we saw this team play, defense did what it needed to do, even against the Saints, um, you know, 34 points. But really, Tom Brady gave seven of those points away, so 27 points. Even though that's not an ideal number, the Bucks offense or the Bucks defense was still quick to react. You saw them knowing where they were supposed to be in terms of coverage, so on and so forth. Last week got caught a little flat-footed. Um, however, I expect a big turnaround this week. Devin White, if he can get it together in uh, pass coverage, then this front seven is going to be – it's already probably top five, you could definitely argue, but it's going to easily move up to top two or top three. And then the secondary, as long as they continue to come along, especially with Antoine Winfield Jr., who has been everything that everyone who knew what he could do would be for this defense coming in, He's, he's lived up to the billing. As long as they can stay healthy and just keep growing by year's end, it's going to be really, really hard to get anything done against this defense. Wow, that's a more glowing assessment than I thought you were going to give. I'm not going to lie. Hey, man, I'm, I'm actually surprised I'm sitting here saying it. And that's just that, honestly, I was really worried about the depth coming in. Um, and that's why I kind of put the caveat if they stay healthy. But so far, this the development of these guys under Todd Bowles in the second year, they have taken leaps and bounds beyond what I thought they would. And granted, they've played some beat-up offenses, you know, Denver, obviously. Um, Carolina was still kind of finding its way in week two, even though they gave uh, the Raiders a good run in week one. And then the Chargers, 
still have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but they were missing three of five starting offensive linemen. Austin Eckler went out early, and then Mike Williams was also hurt. Um, but regardless, just in terms of just sound football, you see that when you watch the tape, and that's what makes it so exciting. So if the Buccaneers win, they'll be 4-1 and one on the season, which is obviously a fantastic start. Where would you, assuming they do win, where would you put the Bucs in the NFC? It's going to be hard not to put them in the top two or three teams. Obviously, that all depends on what happens with the Packers and the Seahawks. If you look at the NFC conference right now, the Bucs are the third-place team. Uh, Packers have a bye week this week, obviously. And like I just said, the Seahawks play the Vikings, so there's still some room uh, left there to kind of figure out or interpret what's going to go on. But if they beat the Bears, it's going to be hard to argue against doing this against a solid defense on the road, short week with all the injuries, like I said. Um, you're going to have to put them, keep them at the top, at least in the NFC. AFC is kind of tough to decide with the Chiefs, Ravens, um, the Steelers, Titans, even though, God, who knows what's going to happen with them and the Bills as well. Um, but – in terms, like I said, just playing sound football. If they get it done this week, they've got they're gonna be four and one. They're gonna be hosting the Packers in 10 days. It's gonna be huge. And it's gonna it's gonna be time to start really taking the Bucks seriously if they beat the Bears this week. That is gonna be an awesome showdown next week. With oh, I, I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. And you know Bruce Arians love and having the extra time to prepare for that one. For sure, man. And you don't want to look ahead, but at the same time, you kind of can't help but look ahead. I would, yes, I would say that. But I think the fact that for Brady going up against Foles, I think it, I think honestly, it pisses him off that he threw for 500 yards in that Super Bowl and still lost. Oh, for sure. I mean, and just the way the Eagles played. And I mean, really, he outplayed Brady in that Super Bowl. So I would totally be looking for revenge if I were him this week or revenge, you know, in layman's or in, in a, different sense you know what i'm saying evan winter from bucks nation thank you very much for the time no problem rob thanks for having me man thanks again to evan winter for the time and ed i'm so glad it's a much more attractive thursday night football matchup this week right now tampa bay is favored by four points where are you going in this one i'm taking the bucks on this one gotta take gotta take tampa bay and on this one i'm just uh you know I, i'm i'm not buying the bears at all even with nick Foles, i'm, I'm just not buying so I'm going Bucks all the way. I have to agree with you. I have no faith in Foles. I don't care that it's a Super Bowl rematch of the quarterbacks. That doesn't matter. Brady's settling in, and I think he's going to roll over the Bears, and Tampa's going to be 4-1 and one and sitting pretty uh, through a quarter of the way through the season. Okay, next up, Bills-Titans, Ed. And I, gotta, I have to say, I don't think that this game is going to be played. It's, it's one of the games that you picked and the SB Nation reacts. So we're talking about it, but I don't think they're actually going to kick this thing off because as we record this early Thursday morning, the Titans had another positive test for COVID. I don't even know what the number's up to now. I, I really don't, but it's it it it's crazy. It's sad. It seems like, you know, the Titans have done this to themselves really by by not following protocols, by holding a workout on their own away from their facility um you know unsupervised workout I, i'm with you i don't see any way the game can be played and i can't imagine what the league is going to do to the titans here in terms of fines and maybe taking away a draft pick and maybe even going to the to the extreme of 
of because of the, the the scheduling, maybe even going to the extreme of forcing the Titans to forfeit games here. Absolutely. I think they should have to forfeit. I mean, they haven't we haven't seen the league say whether or not they believe that those Titans players were the ones that were working out, but it sure looks like it. I mean, it, it's not a court of law here, but it sure seems pretty obvious that that's what they did. And if that's true, I think they should have to forfeit one and maybe two games. I mean, this is this is a huge deal. They were expressly told by the league and by Mike Vrabel, do not gather outside the team facility. And they did the complete opposite. You have to bring the hammer down. And here's another thing, Ed. Let's say they cancel the game this week. Well, next Thursday is Chiefs-Bills. That would be a Chiefs team that's playing their third game in 11 days against a Bills team that just got a week off because the Titans had to forfeit this week. Well, this is one of the problems is when you start with these cancellations and you start trying to move the schedule around, you're getting into things which is a, where, where you're having real competitive disadvantages. And, and it becomes a problem. And, you know, the, the, the whole thing... The whole thing with with COVID and with all of these protocols and everything else is it comes back to personal and player responsibility. And if if things like this continue with the Titans and if they spread to other teams, you're going to wind up getting into a situation where it's going to be impossible to have something resembling a full season. And and that's you know but this is what you worry about as the season goes along is is player responsibility because these are young men they're they're not used to being confined they're not used to being restricted and and and, and I get that but but if you want to have a season then you you have to follow these protocols because I think we've seen through the first few weeks we've seen that the protocols work if they're followed and you have to ensure if you're the NFL, if you're Roger Goodell, look, billions of dollars are at stake here. That's what the NFL generates. They are pushing through in this season because they want that money. Well, they can't get that money unless, like you said, the teams and the players abide by the rules. So I think the NFL is going to make an example out of the Titans. I think they're going to bring the hammer down and crush them just as a message to the other teams. Like, hey, we mean business here. These are not, you know, guidelines. These are hard and fast rules that you need to follow because they cannot have any more of this if they want to get this season in. Oh, I think they have to. I think we've seen fines, you know, for for coaches and and, and organizations already over the mask stuff. And I think that what we're going to see here with the Titans just dwarfs, you know, all all of that. And there are so many other tentacles because teams play other teams on the schedule. So every team is affected. Even if one team has an outbreak like this, it affects almost all the other teams. So it's really a, a terrible situation. And it's frustrating, too, because this was going to be a great game. Ed. You had Josh Allen. He's on fire right now. He's second in the league in passing yards. Stephon Diggs is leading the NFL in receiving yards. Like the Bills are rolling. And the Titans are playing really well, too. Ryan Tannehill's picked up where he left off last year. From a football standpoint, as fans, we're being robbed of this game, which looked like it was going to be a great one. Sure we are. And, you know, we all want to see our teams play. We all want to see football. And I think you're we're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the hammer has to come down here on the Titans to, to make it clear to all of these teams organizations and, and players and teams and, and everyone that that these protocols have to get followed if this season's going to have some sort of a successful conclusion. 
I don't I don't know what the NFL is going to do, but they, they got to make a decision soon. I mean, the clock is ticking here and I don't envy them because, first of all, whatever they do, they're going to get crushed because that's just sort of how these things work. And whatever the punishment is, I mean, you still don't know when the Titans are going to get this thing under control. We don't know how long this is going to last. So the facility is closed. I mean, this could be a thing that affects multiple, multiple weeks here because we've seen that once, you know, once you get an outbreak like this, it's hard to contain. Obviously. And, you know, as, as you said, I mean, the Titans, we don't know how many more games or how much longer this is going to last. And, and, and what happens is the NFL said it built in contingencies and all of that, but I don't know how far back you can start to push scheduling and, and, you know, if you get a team, suppose you get a team, well, suppose you get the Chiefs, for example, that manages to get through all 16 of their games and gets a number one seed. And yet you have other teams that have to go two or three weeks beyond that deadline, you know, the end of, this, the, end of the season to get in their 16 games. Are you going to ask the Chiefs to start their playoffs a month after they finish the regular season? I mean, that's the kind of scenario you're staring at here. And that's crazy. That's not fair to anybody. Yeah, that might be the best thing to do. I mean, you might have to just accept that this look, it's 2020. Every sports season has been affected because you're right. I don't know what else you can do. The only other thing I was thinking is maybe do you just give everybody a buy and just pause for the week and say, you know what? Nobody's playing any games this week. Everybody stay in. Everybody quarantine. And, you know, you do it that way. I, I don't know even if that how much that helps, because if you don't have any positive tests on your team, it's not really doing anything for you. But just in terms of the competitiveness overall for the league, maybe that's something they consider. But right now, I mean, they are trending in a very negative direction, as you pointed out. Yeah, obviously, I don't know what they're going to do, but, uh, you know, but but it's 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 a shame. And as you said, it's a, it's a, it's also a shame because this was a great game to look forward to. If you had to pick a winner in this game, who do you think you would pick? Under the circumstances, I would pick the Bills. Yeah, I mean, how do you not? The, the Titans can't practice. The team facility is closed and Buffalo is rolling right now. You know, when I asked that question, I didn't think it was so obvious. But as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's pretty easy pick for you. Well, you know, thanks for the layup. <laughs> All right, let's go to another game that I happen to think is a layup. Raiders and Chiefs. Look, I'm trying to search for a bad thing to say about the Chiefs. I can't find it. To me, the Chiefs are not playing the Raiders. They're not playing any other team. They're playing two things, injuries and COVID, because I think those are the only two things that can stop Kansas City from rolling. I, I don't see how they lose this game. And to be honest, I don't know if they lose the game this whole season. You know, th this game's not a layup. This game is like a backboard shattering two-hand reverse dunk. You know, if you're not picking the Chiefs here, then then I, I don't know what to say. It's just there's there's no there's no good reason not to pick Kansas City in this game. And, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I didn't look what the over and under is on, on this game. But if if the Chiefs are interested and, and you know, let's. Let's be honest. I didn't think the Chiefs were all that interested the other night when they played the Patriots. They just sort of looked like, ah, oh, ho-hum, we're going along here, and we know eventually something good will happen, and we'll win the game because that we're the Chiefs, and, and we're better, and, and that's Brian Hoyer over there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but if the Chiefs are interested, they might put up 50 
on this Raiders defense. You are absolutely right. The Raiders defense, it's terrible. It is. There's not a single player on it that scares you. It is. There's no teeth there. There's nothing to worry about. And that's what I really, the bloom is off the rose for the Raiders to me. Like they beat the Saints earlier in the year. And I was like, oh, maybe this Raiders team, maybe there's something there. It turns out, no, nope, there's not anything there. Uh, it's just, they're just not ready to beat those elite teams. They give up 30 points a game, basically on defense. It's, I don't know what John Gruden is thinking, but unless he invests more on the defensive side of the ball, they're never going to win anything there. That's true. There's a couple of nice offensive pieces, a couple of nice players to watch with the Raiders, you know, when they have the ball, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, you know, nice players. I think Derek Carr's a, a, a good enough quarterback, but you're playing the chiefs and, and you know, the, the chiefs are going to be able to do pretty much whatever they want. The spread is 13 in this game, which is incredible for an NFL game. And here's the thing that I feel like is not getting a lot of attention for Kansas City. Their defense is really, really good. They started to pick it up at the end of last year, and they've continued that. They're allowing 17 and a half points a game this season. Nobody has scored more than 20 points against them. So Kansas City, not only do you have to compete with that offense, but that defense is not allowing a lot of points. And I just don't see the Raiders offense, even though, like you said, there's some nice pieces there. I don't see them challenging that Kansas City defense that much. Nor do I. It's just like I said, this this game it's a it's a no-brainer pick to to take Kansas City here. Points or no points. And the trouble for the Raiders is it's not getting any easier anytime soon. This week is the Chiefs, then they have to play Tom Brady and the Bucks, then they have to go to Cleveland to play the Browns who seem to be getting it together, and then they have to play the Chargers who I mean Justin Herbert was going toe to toe with Tom Brady last week. So the, the Raiders here, they're really could be in a rough spot after this patch of their schedule, you know, which is why you look at it and, and it's, it's really, really easy after one game, you know, you look, you, you look forward to the NFL season for so many months and, and you get so fired up about the season starting. It's really, really easy after one game or two games to conclude that, you know, whatever team it is, whether it's the Raiders or, or whoever that, oh, that team's going to be really, really good. You know, but you looked at the Buccaneers after after week one and you thought, oh, Tom Brady, and he, he's an old man and that's never going to work. Well, you know, three weeks later, it looks a whole lot different. And it's like I keep reminding Giants fans, even though the Giants are 0-4 and Things don't look good, and and everybody's ready to to toss Daniel Jones in the trash can and, and draft Trevor Lawrence. There's 12 weeks to go. Things can look a lot different four months from now than they look right now, or three months from now than they look right now. Especially this season. I mean, we we literally don't know what's going to happen week to week. I will say, I don't know the Giant fans should be counting on Trevor Lawrence just yet because uh, the Jets are going to have their say as to uh, who gets that number one pick. Oh, I certainly think so. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We still have Colts and Browns to look at, plus dealer's choice. So we'll get to those two games coming up right after this. We're back here on the look ahead. We still have two more games to go. Ed. And just a reminder, if you want to have a say over which games we talk about, you can go to SBNation.com slash reacts to vote or on Twitter at SBN reacts. You tell us the games you're most interested in. And those are the games we talk about every week on this show. So the next game up for us, Ed, Cleveland and Indianapolis. And 
especially after what we saw last week from Cleveland, this game just keeps looking better and better to me because nobody's paying attention, but the Colts are off to a really good start and their defense is incredible. Yeah, this for me, this is one of the most interesting games of the weekend. And and I, I say this, you know, I say this a lot, but one of the things that I look at is, you know, we've seen four games and for me, this is kind of a, this is kind of a, a what's real and what isn't kind of a game because you've got, you've got the Browns who have won three games in a row now and they look like they're starting to look like what, what we thought we were going to get from the Browns a year ago. And then you've got the Colts who have the number one defense in the league. Statistically, they're giving up 14 points a game, but is that defense really as good as those numbers indicate? Because they've put up those numbers against Jacksonville, Minnesota, Chicago, and the Jets. In other words, they haven't played a team yet that has a real NFL offense. So so what's real and what isn't? That's a fair point. Now, will you say... Let's say the Colts go out and, and stop the Browns and hold them to like 14 points again. Are you going to say, well, that proves that the Colts defense is really good? Or are you going to say, well, that proves that the Browns still just don't have it together yet? Well, I I think that that it would lead me to 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 really to put more stock in this Indianapolis defense. I mean, I'm not completely downplaying this defense. I mean, some of the pieces that they've got on that defense, Darius Leonard, Xavier Rhodes, Justin Houston, some of the other, some of the pieces they've got on that defense are really, really good. I mean, Darius Leonard is, is just a tremendous player. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying I I'm looking at their defense and thinking that it's bad, but is it, is it that good? And, you know, I just don't know. I'd like you, this is a, this Browns team, you know, you're looking at a team with a with a tremendous running game, with a really good offensive line at this point. You know, adding Jack Conklin and and, and Jedrick Wills to that group, you've got two really good running backs. Baker Mayfield is is playing more like he did as a rookie than he did last year, and so he's you know he's looking a whole lot better. You've got Jarvis Landry, and then you've got a seemingly rejuvenated. Odell Beckham, who is playing better than he has played in a very, very long time. So so you have weapons in Cleveland. I was thinking of you last week when Odell Beckham Jr. was basically single-handedly winning that game for the Browns. I was was thinking about you too because we had the Beckham conversation not that long ago. I'm a Beckham fan. I've always been a Beckham fan. I think he's really, really good. To me, the fact that he had down years with the Browns is such an indictment of the coaching staffs that were there as opposed to a knock on Odell Beckham Jr. You saw last week, he is incredible, Ed. He is elite still with the ball in his hands. He's one of the most exciting players in the league. He is explosive on any play. Well, I looked at, I looked at, there was, I think it was on, Next Gen Stats, which does a whole lot of stuff with how fast guys are running and the miles per hour that they reached. And and when I look at Beckham, I mean, he was hurt with the Giants and he was hurt a little bit in Cleveland as well. And 
you just wonder, I mean, if with Beckham, he's still young enough. You wonder if it's health and mindset as much as it is anything else, because I think on that, on the, on the reverse that he ran for a touchdown, I don't want to hear about the great play call. I don't want to hear about how great Kevin Stefanski is because pretty much if that's anyone in the league except Odell Beckham, that play is probably a 10-yard loss. Odell Beckham turned a play that could have been a disaster into a 50-yard touchdown, and he did all of that on his own. And I think it was next-gen stats that, that, that looked at how fast he ran and said he hasn't reached that speed in several years. That's an interesting point. Which, yeah, which tells you something. Tells you he's healthy. They're getting him the ball, and you know, and, and he's still, when his head is screwed on straight and he's healthy, he's still an incredible talent. Yeah, Alden Smith was the only one that had a chance to stop that play, and once Odell got past him, I mean, he just took off, and it was absolutely incredible. But the Browns have figured it out, Ed. I've been saying it now for two weeks. They know who they are. Even though I know Nick Chubb is hurt, they, they still have Kareem Hunt, so I think the running game is going to be okay. They know they have to run the ball. That's the engine that drives the offense. They figured that out. They use play action. They use Landry to move the chains, and they use Odell to just gash people deep. They know exactly who they are, and I think that that's going to help them going forward because they know their formula for success. I'm high on the Browns. I am buying stock in Cleveland. There you go. So, so I assume that means you are you are picking the Browns to win this one. The Browns are getting two points in this game against Indianapolis, and I think Indy's good. But I think just from a sheer talent standpoint, the Browns have more talent than the Colts. And I hate to say it, I I think I trust Baker Mayfield a little more than I trust Phillip Rivers. Oh, I'm with you 100% on that one. I I know that Phillip Rivers is off to a nice start. I know that the numbers are good and his completion percentage is good and his passer rating is good and and all of that but but at this point I'm taking a Baker Mayfield who to me is trending upward you know more than a Philip Rivers who is who is trying to maintain and trying to hang on and and trying to have one last run here with the Colts I think that both of these teams are going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year by the way I don't mean to sound like I'm knocking the Colts because I think the Colts are very good uh, I think Cleveland's better, but I think both of these teams are going to be in the AFC playoffs. Oh, I would agree. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm taking, and, and I'm with you here. I'm taking the Browns in this game. If I, the Browns are at home, right, in this one? Yeah. And and I was I was stunned, as you said, to see that that the Browns are getting points in this game But because I'm, I'm taking Cleveland to win this one. Yeah, that is my absolute favorite thing. When the team I think is going to win outright is getting points, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> one more game to look at before we go. That's the dealer's choice game. Usually we let you pick the games for dealer's choice. One of us gets to pick last week. It was in Ed hands. So now I'm piloting the ship this week and you're going to like this one, Ed, because I'm going giants at the Cowboys. And I just want to say the Dallas Cowboys are not a very good football team at all. I saw a stat and I couldn't believe this when I heard it of all the plays Dallas has run this year. And I think they've run over 300 plays. You know how many of those plays they've been in the lead for? Can you guess? Just ballpark it. One? Seven. Seven? <laughs> Seven plays all season. 
Wow. Their defense is absolute trash. The Cowboys stink. I really thought that you were going to pick this game just to trash the NFC East, but you know, which, which, which I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to defend the NFC East either, but I look at this game, the Giants are 0-4, but the Cowboys are 1-3, stunningly 1-3, with a roster that says they're all, they should be a whole lot better than that. But the Cowboys are a crazy, unforgivable Atlanta Falcons week two meltdown from also being 0-4. Nobody loses more games with elite quarterback play than Mike McCarthy. He did it in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and he's doing it this year with Dak. You know, Dak is on pace to smash, smash the single-season record for passing yards. Not like beat it by a little. He's on pace to throw for, I think, over 6,000 passing yards this season, which is ridiculous. And it's not mattering because the Cowboys can't stop anybody, and they just keep finding ways to win. They don't know who they are, Ed. The Browns know who they are. They know their formula. The Cowboys don't know their formula. They're throwing it around with Dak. Sometimes they hand it to Zeke. They don't know what they need to do to win. And until they figure that out, they're going to keep losing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting too because one of the one of the dynamics this weekend with this game is Jason Garrett returning to Dallas. And I think that it's interesting when you read blogging the boys and you and you re- listen to Cowboys fans because they were so fired up about Mike McCarthy's going to come in here and have all the answers. And thank God we got rid of Jason Garrett and everything's going to be great now. And well, guess what? People in Green Bay didn't like Mike McCarthy a whole heck of a lot his last two or three years. And he's still Mike McCarthy. <laughs> you know, it's it, We're still seeing the Cowboys lose games that they should win and not maximize the talent that they have on the roster. So, you know, Giants fans right now have their own problems with Jason Garrett because we have the Giants have the worst offense in the league at the moment. But maybe it's not all Jason Garrett. Yeah, I did see a stat that Odell Beckham Jr. has more touchdowns this season than the entire New York Giants team. So that's probably not good. Um, Before we go examine the Giants a little deeper, I want to make one more point on Mike McCarthy because there's two aspects to coaching, right? There's the X's and O's part of it, which is one thing. And there's the motivational part of it, which is a completely other thing. And that is absolutely part of a head coach's job. Listen to this quote from Cowboys safety Xavier Woods. The effort has been good. On certain plays, some guys, I mean me included, There may be a lack, but overall, the effort is there. We're in the NFL. You don't expect guys to go full speed for 70 plays. That's not possible. It's not? What? It's not possible? Uh, How much money are you making? Since when does one play matter more than the next play? And if if you can't go full speed for 70 plays, then maybe you should be on the sideline for the ones where you can't go full speed. I mean, that's how you end up one and three right there. And, and you were talking about next-gen stats on that Odell Beckham reverse last week. I saw that play broken down, and you see some lack of effort from some of those Cowboys defenders. They see Alden Smith in the backfield, and they kind of start loafing because they think he's going to make a play or knock him out of bounds. And then, sure enough, Odell gets past him, and now they're out of position. They can't tackle him, and he's running 50 yards down the field for, for a touchdown. That's how that lack of effort shows up on the field. Yeah, this is one thing you do not see from the New York Giants. You do not see lack of effort. I, I, you know, whatever people think of of Joe Judge and some of his methods, he has these guys playing incredibly hard. He has these guys buying in. He has these guys 
you know, they're 0 and 4 and you keep talking about figuring out who you are and they don't have Saquon Barkley and, and offensively, you know, they're I think they're still trying to figure out who they have, what they can do, how the pieces work and they're still developing a young quarterback who's only played 16 NFL games. So they're still figuring it out. But this team plays hard. And I have to give them that much. They play incredibly hard. Austin Johnson, who's a backup defensive tackle, caused a fumble the other day by running completely across the field to tackle a tight end, I think it was, who had made a catch. You know, and and he dove at this guy and knocked the ball out. I mean, this is a 300 and something pound man running all the way across the field. And it was just an example of 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 effort. And you have to have effort if you're going to end up being a good team. You just do. You can't say, oh, I'm going to take some plays off and whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the Randy Moss play when I want to play is not exactly a good formula. Let me point out this stat to you because you mentioned Daniel Jones. And I don't want to take credit for this because I'm not the one that came up with it. Brandon Lee Gowden, who I host the Tuesday SB Nation NFL show with, has his power rankings. And he always throws in a nugget or two about every team. And he had this about the New York Giants, and it stunned me. Daniel Jones has accounted for four times as many fumbles and interceptions as he has touchdowns this season. That is stunning to me. How do they get that straightened out, Ed? by scoring more touchdowns. <laughs> um, now, you know, that that is the crux of the issue, and this is the thing that, that drives Giants fans crazy about Daniel Jones. You know, he, he came in last year, and, and, and he, lit, he lit the place up and won his first two games, and, you know, everything was great. And even, even though things didn't go well, you know, the rest of the year, there were still a lot of positive signs with Jones, except for the fumbles. You know, he led the league in fumbles a year ago. And, you know, this is the thing that you need to see with Daniel Jones. There's still a lot of good flashes that, you know, Mark Schofield has a piece that's up on Big Blue View today, just breaking down you know, Jones' progress as an NFL quarterback. And he says there's so many good things that you still see. There's just still these mystifying times when he's indecisive or when he holds the ball too long and he takes a hit that he shouldn't take or he stares down a receiver and makes a throw that he shouldn't make and Giants fans are already talking about Trevor Lawrence but <laughs> you know here here's the thing you, you you just can't make that choice yet but but you want to see from Daniel Jones you want to see less times when he's indecisive you want to see less times when he stares down a receiver and throws a ball that he shouldn't throw. And, and those, are the, those are the things you need to see over the next 12 games because there's talent there. There's athleticism. There's a good arm. He can run. He can scramble. He can make every throw. It's just sometimes the indecision that, that leads to those mistakes that makes you crazy. Yeah, if I were a Giant fan, I would say, look, he's still in the middle of his second season. He needs to get those turnovers down. If he doesn't start to show that he can reduce the number of turnovers, the bonehead turnovers, not like a ball gets tipped or something like that. I'm talking about the bad plays that he has made. If he doesn't start to, to shy away from those, starting with the second half of this season, then you really have to worry. 
but I'm still going to give him a little time because he's still a, an inexperienced player. You know, we've seen Peyton Manning set the single season rookie record for interceptions in a season. I think it was 25 his rookie year. He obviously got that under control and turned it down. So there have been players that have figured out how to protect the ball better in their career. Let's see if Daniel Jones can do that. And let's start it with this week. I'm sure if you're a Giant fan, you're saying that. The Cowboys that are get are giving nine and a half points in this game. Where are you going? Oh, this one is so hard. I mean, this one, I you know, my heart wants to pick the Giants. My heart really wants to pick the Giants. But I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this game. And you're laying the points. I, you know, actually... It's nine and a half. I think I would take the points, but I think the Cowboys win the game. Fence sitter Ed Valentine has reared his ugly head once again, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you 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 left it there for me, so I took the easy way out. I see with Daniel Jones with those turnovers, man, it could easily be a blowout. If he gives the Cowboys some short fields, this game could get out of hand in a hurry. But I Nine and a half is a lot of points. It's a division game too, which I always feel like division games are a little closer than other games. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going out on that branch, Ed. I'll take the Giants. I'll take the points and I'll take the Giants to win the game outright. What do you think of that? Wow. You're going out farther on the branch than I am even. Yes. We are in full crazy town here. And you know, sometimes you just got to go there. That's it. You know, I, every once in a while I get a little nuts. BLG gave me a bunch of crap last week because I took Cleveland over Dallas. So I was strutting my stuff earlier this week with that. <laughs> so I'm going back to the well, going to crazy town. I'll take the Giants over the Cowboys. So if I have this right, we agree Tampa Bay tonight is going to beat Chicago. We have Buffalo, if they ever played that game, would win over Tennessee, although we don't really know. We both like Kansas City over the Raiders. And where did you? I like Cleveland over Indianapolis. Did you side with me on that or where did you come Yes, down? I did. All right, so we agree basically on everything this week except the dealer's choice. I'm going to take the Cowboys. You're going to sit on the fence, take the Giants with the points, but you're taking the Cowboys to win the game. If you want to weigh in every week, go to SBNation.com slash Reacts. You can vote on the games you want us to talk about or on Twitter at SBNReacts. For Ed Valentine, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody.